You're listening to And what's poppin' everybody? Welcome to episode 83 of the Good Pop Culture Club. It is Thursday, November the 25th, 2021. Happy Turkey Day to everybody. I hope you all are having a wonderful Thanksgiving with your loved ones and family. Not eating too much because, um, you know, gotta save room for those sandwiches. But uh, yeah, joining me as always to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days. Uh, we have self-proclaimed professional Asian American Just Jew. Hey Marvin, uh, gobble gobble <laughs> or whatever gob- turkey say in Chinese. I don't know. I just <laughs> I I do know that turkey in Mandarin is like fire chicken. Yeah, it is. Um, which is fun, but like also who likes turkey? It's so bad, but you gotta have it, right? I like smoked turkey with the like, like, drumsticks. Crin- <laughs> yeah, with the crinkly skin. You know, yes. yeah, yes. yeah. So I like that. So most of the time, yeah, I don't really love it. I I end up getting the leftovers and I put in a curry. Oh, yeah, we make sandwiches, which is amazing. Just- I do like leftover sandwiches, which is why I'm like making some stuff just for the leftovers. But yeah. or like porridge, I always make. My mom always makes porridge afterwards, which is delightful. But yes. yeah, the actual turkey itself, especially the white meat. Mm-mm. Oh no my bueno. god, porridge would be amazing. That's why you just dump on the gravy. Make that dry meat moist. <laughs> also joining us this turkey day we have professional culture editor han win hey han hey i was gonna do a turkey noise <laughs> that- oh, that's really good. god that's that's a little frightening but yeah it's really good on this episode we're talking about the new netflix series cowboy bebop and we have some thoughts but before we get to that uh let's find out what pop culture is beginning us through the week uh let's start with jess what's popping looks like you're you've been listening to a lot of music <laughs> november has been crazy november 2021 so much music came out this month like oh, yeah. i'm still reeling so we got red taylor's version which is has a 90 minute runtime we'll go <laughs> i'll go back to that there uh abba released music for the first time in decades like who knew in 2021 we'd be getting a fucking abba album a new abba album Adele just released 30, um, her fourth album, and this is like post-divorce Adele. Uh, Silk Sonic, which has been teasing us with singles for like the last fucking year, finally dropped the full album. And it's actually, I feel very, I feel it's very rude to drop all of these within like a three-week period because I literally don't know how to feel. Like, oh, I want to listen to Silk Sonic and like feel sexy and fun, but then like, Oh no, Red is bringing me back to my like 19 year old angst and fuck Chick Chillinall. And then Abba is like, oh, you're fun and sad. And like, oh my God, Adele, like, not hot take, kind of a letdown, um, which mm. is, is, was, I was not expecting that. I was expecting to like ball, but like maybe she's like a little too mature and I like need to be back in my like 19 year old self with Red. Um, and, you know, with this, the all too well 10 minute version taylor's version from the vault um if none of that made sense to you please skip like 30 seconds to a minute ahead but you know it's been this very legendary thing it's better than i even expected (laughs) it's really fun to engage in like the taylor lore and like i've been explaining to folks um like my some of my family members are 
only Swifties post-1989, Taylor. They were not there for the original Red and, like, the whole drama and, like, not understanding the context of a lot of this. So, like, I had to explain to them, like, so this is what happened. And then that, like, led to, like, talking about Gaylor, like, gay Taylor mm-hmm. conspiracy theories. And it's just, like, it's like an MCU, but it's Taylor Swift. And I'm having a good time. Marvin, wow. did any of those words make sense to you? Not at all. Um, 30 and Adele did, but everything else was just... Have you watched the 10-minute film All Too Well starring Dylan O'Brien and Sadie Sink? I have not. Oh, my God. I guess I need to. You guys need to watch it. It's basically her and Jake Gyllenhaal. We all know Jake Gyllenhaal is trash. The internet hates him now, rightfully so. He was 30 when they were dating. They dated for three months. He was 30 and she was 20. I'm pretty sure uh, she lost her virginity to him. Uh, and like all these stories are not just spilling out about like what a jackass Jake Gyllenhaal is. People who have like no skin in the game or neutral are like, fuck Jake Gyllenhaal. Like, and then it's also a really great red flag if someone was like, if anyone ever comes to you and's like, well, I want to hate jo- Jake Gyllenhaal's side, straight to jail. Fuck you, straight to jail. Go to jail. No, absolutely not. Go to jail. Wow. I'll, I, guess... I, I can give you a primer offline, Marvin. It will take to <laughs> yes. go be the rest of the I episode. I need one of those just to um, explain to me the history but of... But it's, it's very good. You know, with every re-release, she also releases a bunch of... Taylor releases a bunch of uh, songs that she wrote around the same time that didn't make it to the original album. So essentially, she's releasing an entirely new album along with re-recording her initial songs on this on the album's and her voice is so much stronger now. I think technology's gotten better. Erin Desner of the Nationals, who she mm-hmm. worked with on Folklore and Evermore, as well as Jack Antonoff, you know, her longtime producing partner, uh, post-1989, have, are basically working with her on every re-release. So, and her voice is just so much stronger now. Um, and I think she's just more confident, you know? She's like 32. <laughs> she's ha- happy in a relationship. She's got nothing to prove. Like, it's great. And then between that and like, oh my God, like, I just have a lot, you know, for someone who doesn't feel emotions very well and is not good at feeling her feelings, I felt a lot of feelings in the last three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Whether or not you're a fan of her music or her as a as a person, there is something cool that she was able to gain ownership of her art from um from Scooter Brown, right? And be able to re-release her her music. I mean, this woman has absolutely no chill. She's like, not only am I going to re-release it, but I'm going to make the old version just obsolete. <laughs> right? And, like, apparently there's a potential lawsuit because Scooter and Big Red Machine, you know, they actually offloaded her masters to another company already. Oh. And they might be getting sued because those original masters have been devalued so much after <laughs> the success of all her re-releases. They're like, I didn't oh, fuck. realize you can short music like that. <laughs> I mean, fury. What, what's that? What's that phrase you say? Like hell hath no fury, like a woman scorned. And Taylor Swift is the most Sagittarius woman <laughs> in existence. With she got fucking time, man. She's gonna she she petty, and she got fucking time. And she has. I wouldn't be surprised if she had some version of like OCD, because that woman is intense. She's intense and she will not stop until she has like destroyed Scooter Braun. And I am here for it. Yeah. Don't mess with Taylor. It's the yeah, lesson Jake Gyllenhaal. most people should have learned by now after her like. I mean, third we album. could talk about the sexism and the misogyny of it all, but we're, everyone's very excited because basically we're hoping like John Mayer's next. Mm. That she's going to, you know, the, 
if if Jake Gyllenhaal got a ten minute short film, John John Mayer's just gonna get like a a full feature. Wonder who's gonna. Everyone's like, oh, Penn Badgley should play the John Mayer character in this. Oh in the my god, that would be now. amazing. We're like, yes, yes let's do yeah. it. Wow. So yes, but feel free to ask me any questions about Taylor Swift, Abba, or Adele. Yeah, Adele's yeah. not as sad as I thought it would be. No, <laughs> not sad enough. You know, not sad enough. Is she too happy? Is that why? Maybe, maybe that's okay. Maybe Adele deserves to not be asked. Like, I'm glad she's not like devastated, but it, it's it's just it's, a lot more mature. Like, I just need like <laughs> at the place I am at right now. I just need utter despair. despair yeah, I feel the like best the sauce. year that a lot of us have had, <laughs> we need some angsty music to get us through, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, unpopular opinion, but I I don't actually love Adele's music, but I like her as a person. So she's she's someone I very much support and I like a lot. But yeah, yes. I don't know. Her music does nothing for me. <laughs> well, we'll check back uh, with our Taylor Swift correspondent for any future, <laughs> I guess, juicy goss, hot goss, cheese me. What do we call it? Yes. Yeah. Cheese me. Han, what's popping with you? Uh, so by the time you listen to this, it will be out. So um, I watched Hawkeye. They gave us two screeners, uh, two episodes to screen. Um, in advance and uh, it's only two out of six right I think it's another one of those super short uh, series and I have to say I actually enjoyed it but mainly because okay so I really don't like Hawkeye the person like Clint Clint Barton (laughs) can suck it right useless man right and for many reasons we can build a whole you know like timeline but um, the, I think that that's kind of the whole point is that this is going to be a a pass uh, a passing of the baton or the the bow perhaps oh. um, because Hi- Haley Steinfeld's character Kate Bishop is you know clearly the um, successor and they even start on her and they give her the a big huge like sort of origin story before they even get to him and I was like that's great and also she's just in general I love her as an actress. I love her on Dickinson and here she's fantastic. She has just the right, like she's a great actress, I think. And she just knows how to sell an understated humor very well. Um, also the character of Kate Bishop is like kick ass. Like she fences, she does archery, she does gymnastics. Uh, she has a black belt in karate, all the good stuff. Um, and it's, it's definitely a lot of stuff is played for laughs in the first two episodes. If you haven't seen the trailer, this is not a spoiler, but the trailer has a musical called Rogers the Musical, where it's the Avengers and the Battle of New York, um, but singing and dancing. And so you get to see that in the first episode, and it's pretty fantastic. So um, it's basically if Marvel did Hallmark Christmas um, to the point when I first saw this, the first scene with Clint Barton, Jeremy Renner. It literally starts like a Hallmark movie where camera is zooming across the bay and then the music, Christmas music is playing and then and then it shows you New York and all that type of stuff. So uh, it really sets the scene that this is a Christmas movie, but in six parts from Marvel. Uh, (laughs) So I don't know how it's going to end, probably with a big fight I don't like and connections (laughs) I think are like not necessary. But at the same time, I'm enjoying the first two I saw. Yeah, I'm actually pretty excited for it. I'm excited to see Haley Seinfeld's entrance into the MCU. I love that it's a Christmas series. Though. Yeah, it's it's very funny because I actually stay away from watching most trailers in advance. So that actually took me by surprise. And then, um, I, as we know from having seen Black Widow, 
we are expecting to see uh, Florence Pugh's Yelena at some point. Yeah. That will be exciting. And maybe she will kill him. (laughs) We can only hope. (laughs) We can only hope. Anyway, so that's me. So useless. Marvin, what's popping with you? Um, What's popping with me is a go Asian update. This (laughs) week, we're entering the finale of the Great British um, Bake Off um, or the Great British Baking Show, if you're in the States like us. And we have... We have an Asian that made it. Christelle has made it to the final. We have two. Chiggs is Asian, bro. Is he? Yes. His real name is like, it's a nickname for a very brown, South Asian brown name. Which I'm not uh, going to Google because I am trying to avoid spoilers. Oh, yeah, wow. I was about. I actually started unfollowing them because <laughs> in the UK they will find out results far earlier than we do. So they've already. It's already aired in oh, the yeah. UK. Yeah. So, it, but his name is Chirag Parmar. I must um, have missed that during the first episode or wherever well, no, they revealed they, it. Well, no, they they don't. This is the funny thing because I was like, let me confirm. And everything I googled, people were like, we don't know his ethnicity because they, he hasn't mentioned it. And I was like but you can tell his name, right? And so I thought that was interesting was that he's very much kept a line between his personal. Um, That's true. Yeah. Because Christelle has been infusing miso and like chai and like a lot of right. and Asian Christelle, ingredients into yeah. a lot of her Christelle her has Asian and I believe some other, uh, I can't remember now. But yeah, so yeah, she's made it very clear some of her influences yeah so okay we have two asians going to the finale of the great british bake-off along with um our favorite italian dad giuseppe yes i'm so happy i like all these people i would not be sad if any three any of the three won um but i am team Christelle. <laughs> I she's mean, so cute. She, she's adorable. I I mean, look, I, I think I would also love it if Chicks won, just because there is something about him being the recently taught pandemic baker. No, absolutely um, not. I'd be so pissed if he he's only been baking for a year. I'd be so pissed if he's like, yeah, well, but no, absolutely no. This absolutely is just not. Um, this is my envy, villain origin story. Like, like her, her, no, her it's like when Asian you try really, really hard in school <laughs> and the teacher just like picks and rewards some other bitch ass kid who like lucked out or uh, what absolutely what, not no what i will say though is he he pretty much like tanked his uh was it the technical and i think this is where we are going to get start to see you know like the experience pay off for the other two so it's the final so yeah we, we shall see i was that, sad that our german friend jürgen had to go last last episode but i'm but, perfectly cool with these three I mean, well. all four of them were an amazing semifinal. So honestly, if any of the combination of the three made it, I would have been very understanding. Um, I mean, yes. And also, I if Crystal didn't make it, I would have rioted. So. I, did, I, I do quite like her. <laughs> I mean, it was funny because when I was thinking about those four, I was like, it's like two uncles and then two hot ones. And uh, <laughs> no, Chicks is your hot uncle, though. He's the intersection. Well, he's probably younger than me. So that's why I can't say. I mean, I, your an uncle can be younger than you, but still. Um, so yeah, like, what are your thoughts <laughs> about the season in general so far? I, I, I find this season to be a lot more fun than the last season. The challenges are a lot less um insane, ridiculous, yeah, yeah. a lot less um nailed it. Yeah, um, but I don't know. Matt Lucas is still kind of grating to me. Matt is terrible every time. Like he's, he's still he's still he's, terrible, and he's gotten worse. He's the low point. He's not funny. And Paul Hollywood is terrible. 
Paul Hollywood is Paul Hollywood, though. That's where it's like I kind of expect yeah, him to be terrible. Yeah, he's always been kind of terrible, no, though. But yes, but he was. Con- uh, he, someone needs to contain him. Like someone yeah, needs yeah. to contain him. He's just insufferable. You know what's like, terrible is the fact that he is now also joining in on those cold open skits. It's yeah. terrible. It's like yeah. this is what the money's going to channel for. Like what the fuck? Yeah. So I felt like again, this is the. It's an unbalanced quartet. Like I felt like Mel and Sue were able to like poke him a lot in a way that like really made made me feel like oh yeah yeah they're they're taking the hot air, air out of him whereas it feels like neil is just kind of you know he's making jokes but it's not really going anywhere um yes. i enjoy him but there's no there's no there's no bite to it they're not roasters they're more yeah. like yeah they're just people? yeah they're making gags and so yeah but they need to roast paul they do and 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 <laughs> banter a little bit more with the contestants yeah like, I, I i'm okay with neil yeah. but i definitely think with matt i think it's a bad if combo. i was a baker i would be terrified whenever i saw one of those two coming towards my my workstation <laughs> i'm fine with neil but like matt is just like he like he says like an average of 2.5 racist things per episode oh, yeah, and i'm yeah, like yeah. why do you still let this man host good. things or say anything he's yeah. just ugh. uh like that, that they first episode woman. where he's just like singing the entire Flintstone song in German. I'm like, why yeah. did you keep that in? That was so awkward. Yeah. And Jurgen had to like just take it. Um, but anyway, so Yeah. Anyways, so who are we polling for? Who is our, our pick for the champion this year? I mean, I guess we gotta say Christelle, right? <laughs> I I <laughs> like Christelle. Christelle I think All she's right. cute. And in terms of like, let's be real, like we now know at this point winning Great British Bake Off like sends you into another level of like like pseudo celebrity or like mm-hmm. minor celebrity where you could basically start a new career as like a food personality. Mm-hmm. So who would you want to watch as a food personality or who do you think would like have the most fun with it, right? Yeah. Like I feel like Giuseppe got his family. He probably has other <laughs> shit going on. Like I feel like Christelle, I would love to watch Christelle on another show doing some things or like cooking with their family or something all right good pop culture club team christelle we'll be <laughs> back next week to see if we got it right i guess and with that that'll do for this edition of what's popping when we come back we're talking all about the new netflix adaptation of cowboy bebop stick around Hello, I'm Phil Yu, and I'm the host of All the Asians on Star Trek, the podcast in which I interview all the Asians on Star Trek. I'm talking to actors, writers, directors, stunt people, background extras. You know, all the Asians on Star Trek. Find out more at alltheasiansonstartrek.com. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Live long and prosper. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. This week, we're talking about Netflix's Cowboy Bebop, an adaptation of the 1998 Neil Noir Space Western anime series. Um, the new series is developed by Andre Nemec, written by Christopher Yost, and stars John Cho, Mustafa Shakir, Daniela Pineda, Elena Satine, and Alex Hassel. Um, Cowboy Bebop, of course, is a cult classic anime. Um, the new series has released two... Um, I guess we can say mixed reviews everywhere. Um, it's been really interesting to see everyone's take on it. Um, I know I have my takes, and I know, I know Jess and Han both have their takes as well. Um, so let's get to it. What do we think of Cowboy Bebop? Let's start with the professional culture editor. <laughs> uh, I, I'm probably going to be the um, 
the kindest to Cowboy Bebop because um, I, 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 the thing is, I did find it very, very inconsistent. I think tonally is what makes it hurt um, at the times that you really just, I'm just like, oh, that was painful to actually watch and endure. But other times I think it just runs very smoothly. So I'm just not sure why it's so inconsistent. But what I think worked very well is the core cast. So you got Spike, you know, John Cho, Jet, Faye, and Ayn. I count Ayn among the four cowboys in the Bebop. Um, and I really like their interactions. Uh, I I like just getting to know them as people and feeling that chemistry. And I think there is some sort of chemistry there. I just think that whenever they try to then go off and solve a crime or whatever it is, or capture a, a bounty, that it kind of fell apart. Like, because a lot of those the people, you know, those side characters ended up being kind of over the top ones I didn't really like at all. So, oh, I did watch all of it. You know, I was doing other stuff during it. Um, and I did find like it was a hit or miss for me when it came to episodes. Some of them I really liked and some of them I just didn't want to watch at all. Um, so, uh, but overall, yeah. like I like certain enough of it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah. Jess, what did you think? Um, ditto on what Han said. Uh, I I think I'm meaner. I just think I'm meaner overall. My biggest thing, though, and oh, don't hate me. I know. <laughs> this. I feel like I'm betraying, like, the community. But, like, John Cho was a miscast. <laughs> John Cho was a miscast. You know, I, I know. I agree with oh, you there. We know John Cho is a fantastic actor. Mm-hmm. Um, So it's not a like lack of skill or technical ability it's one thing like and i'm i mean i just don't and maybe it is i am comparing it to the anime mm-hmm. but also it's very hard not to um in just kind of the core concepts or like kind of the core dynamics which is that like spike in the anime is 27 and he's an idiot shithead who's reckless and full of regret like has gone through a lot of pain and trauma and is just running away with it, like both physically and emotionally with this veneer of like kind of coolness and toughness and like laissez-faire, I don't give a fuck attitude. And okay, number one, John Cho looks great, but John Cho's pushing mid forties, fifties. It, it it does not play the same and it does not play the same in his relationship to Jet, who is, you know, it's, I think like, they should have leaned more into like we're friends and equals instead of you're my like mentor or father figure. And I feel like maybe that was part of the inconsistency or the like why the tone didn't work. Like they couldn't decide which one to do. So try to play the middle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember reading a tweet. I think it was by Gita Jackson of Motherboard saying that Spike being 27 is core to his character, right? Not only is 27 like an important age in the world of music, because that's the that's the age a lot of like mm-hmm. young musicians burn out and like, die. Yeah. Um, but also when you're 27, something like a heartbreak is the type of thing that will throw you into like a depressive mood <laughs> and where like, you feel like there's no future yeah. because no love left me. Whereas and, like, if you're like a 40 yes. year old, it's, it's like, you should know better <laughs> at 40. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the thing is like, it's also be- like being 27, we just understand innately. Like it didn't happen that long ago. You know, the betrayal, the whole like, his 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 relationship with Julia. Sorry, spoiler, a little bit of spoilers, but you know, it wasn't that long ago, and he was much younger. And like he's he's he, again, he's a dumb, reckless shithead, like very irreverent, 
but he's so charming and you know he is deep down a good person who's just trying. That's why you forgive him and you want to give him. Like John Cho never, again, great actor. I just think there, you know, there are some things where you have to cast to energy and kind of like context of the person themselves. And John Cho does not give that energy. John Cho is always a very capable, like he knows what's going on. He's in control. And Spike is not in control. Yeah. I mean, while we're on John Cho, I feel like when I was watching him, and we'll probably get to this because a big part of what didn't work for me personally in this adaptation is just how quippy everyone was and how like it has a big like sitcom energy. And there was this, there's this meme that's going around where they added Seinfeld laugh track and sound effects to some Cowboy Bebop scenes and it totally works. And when I was watching John Cho exchange quips with the, the rest of the cast, it kept bringing me back to John Cho's sitcom past. Like he had a character named Chow in, um, I think this was like mid 2000s after his breakout role in American Pie, where he plays like the owner of like a pho restaurant in like this um, New York building. And he was a character that made a lot of like sex jokes, a lot of dick jokes. And I feel like the spike has so much chow energy that I couldn't unsee that. Yeah. And we know mm-hmm. John Cho is funny. We know he's a great comedic mm-hmm. actor and he's a great dramatic actor. Mustafa Shakir, man, he was great and did what he could with Jet. I thought Jet was one of the strongest characters in this mm-hmm. adaptation series. Um, so it just makes me think like it's obviously the writing, the directing, the overall creative thing. Like the weird thing to me is like, okay, it wanted to be like campy cartoon, but also like very noir, which I think could be very interesting if you did it well. But the juxtaposition, right? But those are diametric <laughs> opposites, right? And like it's like, okay, am I supposed to be feeling noir-esque or is it supposed to be like there were some things where it was very much like like workplace sitcom-y. Like, oh, yeah, we need to... Like, let's we, go bowling, right? Let's go get that bounty. And I'm just like, what is... What is, yeah. what is happening? I, like, you know, my history with this show is... I think I first watched it back in 1998. We had a local shop um, where I used to get my magic cards that also rented fan subs on VHS probably illegally now that i think about it but i remember watching it as like a 13 14 year old and kind of bouncing off of it at first but re-watching it once again in college when it started playing adult swim and it's one of those shows where like cowboy bebop the original anime is a it's like a slow burn melancholic nor anthology like each episode is kind of self-contained and like the creators shinichiro watanabe and the main screenwriter um keiko nobumoto um wrote each episode like they were making a movie so each episode is a self-contained story. And so, you know, tuning in every week, everything was so watchable, right? And I think, I don't know, I feel like there's been a lot of different reactions to the series. Obviously, people who have no connection to the original anime like it enough. They either love it or they think it's you know, not bad, right? Compared to what people were talking about. Like they're saying, oh, it's, it's, you know, it's a fun space story. There's people like me who like are watching and thinking this is not Cowboy Bebop at all. Even with the liberties taken, it's not mm-hmm. what we, it's unrecognizable as a Cowboy Bebop show. And there's people who've watched anime who love it and say it's pitch perfect, which I don't know if it's them, you know, trying to counteract the negative publicity or we're just seeing different things. And that's something that happens, right? Like I know that two people can watch the same thing and come up with completely different reactions um, vis-a-vis like, Jess and my reaction to Green Knight or I have a friend <laughs> who like thinks Mad Max Fury Road is boring because it's just one long car chase. 
<laughs> which, oh you know, to me, it's a bad take. And I, I know I'm not going <laughs> to. Yeah. Don't engage but... with that. Uh, oh, on that note, because uh, one of the cool things that people usually like about Mad Max is the editing and how it's edited differently from other um, action movies in the genre. Um, can we talk about the editing and the cinematography in Cowboy Bebop it's and so, why? It's so wild, right? Like, there's so many tweets about, like, just trying to count the, the number of Dutch angles that they use in the entire series. Mm-hmm. I get why. I think they're really trying to emulate manga panels, right? But, and that energy of manga. But I was like, you, I'm like. Well, it does not work. It's not a manga. It's also not Cowboy Bebop. Well, Cowboy Bebop, if you wanted to really shoot it like the anime, you needed you needed to get like Wong Kar Wai cinematographer. You need to get someone who can do yeah, long moody, wide shots. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you think it was weird that it was so like popish and campy when, when there are elements of that in the anime? But like when I think Cowboy Bebop and like the music and just kind of like I just think of like general sadness and like moodiness. It's a very um, yeah. It's a show about loneliness and ennui and like people, and regrets. Yeah, and and mistakes <laughs> and like yeah, like trying to find family when you fucked up your first one, right? And something that I noticed rewatching the original series, which I admit is probably a mistake if I was planning to watch this live action series seriously, is how much of the original series was quiet. And contemplative and just slow, like slow plays. Like I think Han mentioned last episode where someone she knows thought it was kind of boring because because there there are a lot of quiet moments. Whereas I feel like in the live action series, it just couldn't stay still. Like it didn't know what to do with blank spaces. And so it had to fill it with banter. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just feel that here's the thing. Even if that was their intention, like we're not going to make it as as dark and as melancholic as the original because we want it to be our own thing i still think it could have been done better um because like i can see how maybe embracing a sort of like a dark humor like a fargo-esque humor might work um with the visuals but still have that darkness underneath so that way when it transitions into the darker past and, and the loneliness and stuff like that it, w- it will feel still all of a piece and i do that's why i'm just like I feel it was just like wildly erratic. It wasn't dark um, enough. Yeah, no, it was not. This is something I noticed when I was watching was I remember thinking, what is the rating on this? Because I was like, a lot of this humor felt like it was juvenile. But then I saw it was a rating MA because, you know, at some point there is uh, nudity. Yeah. And a lot and of violence. Like like, a lot of and... F-bombs. And I was just and like, this like... is. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, actually, that's what my issue was. Like, it wasn't dark enough. Even in its humor, I get still you can still do camp, but in a deft way. I think it was just that part didn't work for me. So yeah, it's um, also like you know we talk about noir, we talk about the camp, and then like, but the base is also just like an action series. And I'm like, was the action even good? The action wasn't even good, right? No, like yeah. there were no, no cool fight that, scenes. I also have to say I don't like the editing for those because even if he's not an action star, there are ways you don't. Yeah, you also don't cut it to death. So that you're seeing, like, you do that in an anime because clearly whoever you're drawing is the best fighter in the world. And so you can make him do anything. But here, you actually do need continuity in movement to sort of sell it. So even if they put a body double and we see him from the back of the fuzzy <laughs> head, like, there there wasn't enough of that cont- uh, continuous shooting. It was so cut up to death that it was just like, 
trying to give you those like the Dutch angles, yeah. right? And so, so I was just like, Dutch oh, I, so it, it messed the flow. It's so interesting because Cowboy Bebop is such an influential piece of media and it inspired a lot of subsequent media, right? Like you can see influences of Cowboy Bebop in things like The Matrix, things like even John Wick, I think, has like Cowboy Bebop-esque. Like when Cowboy Bebop does action, like it goes for it, it does like smooth and like kinetic action. And you have all these things that drew inspiration from Cowboy Bebop that you can also draw inspiration from. And they end up with fight scenes that are just clunky. Yeah, they were disappointing because I feel like in the very least, just get the action. Yeah, like um, I think we as audience members can, will forgive many sins if it's just like, oh, you just give us something fucking cool as fuck. Like, we, we yeah, forgive a yeah, lot of things. Like, like, let's be real. John Wick, not the most amazing oh, yeah, writing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keanu Reeves, yeah. love the man. Amazing action star. But, you know, Keanu Reeves. Yeah, he's not really selling acting in, in no, John but Wick. So it's like, you know? oh, that's he a fucking talk. cool ass action. Like, we, and it launched like a multi-billion yeah. dollar franchise. Like, we, we are very, we're lizards. We're lizard brains. And if you give us cool <laughs> shit and cool lines and cool moments, like, we'll just, we'll forgive a lot of shortcomings and just... It never even gives us that. Yeah. Just a shame. And I guess that brings us to Cowboy Bebop as an adaptation, because I feel like it's unfair, especially for me and all three of us have watched the original series. So we have that context. You can't make an adaptation that expects us not to compare to the original. Right. And, Especially because mm-hmm. the adaptation didn't even, this live action demon didn't try to distance itself. They used the same music. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will say, Music because they brought back the original Yoko Kano, uh, composer yeah. mm-hmm. and also just use the same fucking songs, which is like love the songs, mm-hmm. but then that just makes that mm-hmm. that that difference even more jarring, right? Like I'm hearing the same music, but it's a much different show. And they also use the same iconic shots that people recognize same as iconic shots. Uh, same same costuming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like it, I mean, I will say like. In terms of we're just talking visual adaptation of the characters, I think that was actually pretty done pretty fucking well. And like mm-hmm. he looks amazing as Spike. Jet looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Even Faye, who like um, mm-hmm. you know, could, you know, just anime booby woman in, in drawn as mm-hmm. like, yeah. they all look really great. I mean, but, if there's anything that didn't age well in the anime was Faye's character design. And they they got the vibes, they got the aesthetics. They got that down. But at least for me, they missed the soul of the series like they didn't get what cowboy bebop is in terms like what the original director made it as like wanted to be i i also think that is wild that you know the original anime i think was ran over 26 episodes in the season and then i think this one is 10 so it's a much truncated story but at the same time like we don't but we don't even meet like, they don't even get together. We don't even meet Ed and Ayn or Faye, really, until, like, about halfway through the series. And that's such a weird uh, choice. I mean... My my opinion is there's not enough Ayn. <laughs> oh, um, Ayn. Ayn is the best. Like, okay, let's not... I, none of this is on Ayn. Or the amazing dog <laughs> actor that played Ayn. Charlie and Harry. <laughs> Charlie and dark. Harry. Props to Charlie yeah. and Harry. Um, You know, how can you not love that face? That little corgi face. Mm-hmm. And also the butt, the corgi, <laughs> corgi butt, butt is called a momo. It did make me sad that whole episode of the dogs about like on oh, the future it's too expensive to own a dog. I yeah, was like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, there's see, there's the melancholy. They totally could have like really embraced. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it's a very fucked up future, right? Like it's not, it's mm-hmm. not a happy place, and and it's. Mm-hmm. It, I feel like 
again that just kind of that like borderline like life question of like it's so miserable what's the point that kind of permeates honestly mm-hmm. the 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 uh the series yeah mm-hmm. we didn't get enough time to like experience the world to like let it breathe because we were so focused on our three main characters and their conversations about bidets and loofahs and whatnot i mean talking about letting it breathe like it's so it's wild to me that this like just mentioned that it's only 10 episodes but each episode is like an hour like 40 minutes to an hour mm-hmm. long so we still have roughly almost the same runtime as the anime series. But the original anime series was just so tightly paced. I mean, I think also because they used, I mean, it was much, I think they're 30 minute episodes and they used, they used the music really well. Because I think music is its own form of, when used correctly, is its own form of dialogue. So you don't necessarily have to, like, like music and dance kind of can move story along in an expedited rate that dialogue can't, right? Um, and I think, well, I, I, I agree with the musical notes, well, notes, but that's exactly it. The original Cowboy Bebop was heavily influenced by music. Um, each episode is called a session. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like everything was crafted around the music since this is sort of copying that. And if the if this creator doesn't have that in his essence, then he doesn't know how to utilize it in a way that makes sense. So basically, you still have episodes called Sessions, and you have Jet talking about jazz. And that's kind of really <laughs> the extent of it, besides getting Yoko Kano, of course. Yoko yeah. Kano is great. But, I, um, but it's not crafted with sound and silence and music and dialogue in the way that definitely the original Yeah, and I feel like at. Watanabe crafted each episode of Sessions because he was also remixing different genres for each episode like jazz right mm-hmm. like just like winging it and say okay this yeah. one's going to be a detect noir this one is going to be an alien horror this one's going to be yeah. i don't know black exploitation right and yeah. oh yeah i feel like if <laughs> yeah if i if i were to do this adaptation i would have copied that each episode would have been its own spin on a certain genre right as opposed to what we got was a serial adventure series that focused on this conspiracy about the syndicate and their relationship to spike right and this love triangle and i will say you know looking at the watching those series the series what's the the opening credits right and just being mm-hmm. like there's sure a lot of white names people <laughs> in this credit and um you know, obviously the original is very Japanese, but like I will give it to the mm-hmm. Japanese art scene. They are deaf. There's a bigger jazz scene there than there is in the United States, or at least in like certain parts of the United States, right? And I'm yeah. just like, did they even like? <laughs> I'm like, did they? <laughs> I mean, the original director get... was yeah, honest consultant, so he gave notes. Whether or not they were followed. We don't know. It looks like they probably weren't because of how totally different the series is. And like, say what you will about the original series and its depictions of its characters. And I don't know what everyone's thoughts about Faye is, but I think while I did like the way that they updated her character design, um, her character herself seems to be a lot more shallow in the live action version. Well, they they kind of because it's a truncated season, they kind of have to mash up her backstories a bit so you don't get that sort of depth you still get something i i actually didn't mind the adaptation of her um i i just think i needed more yeah 
And I think that's kind of what it it is when it comes to all of the core group. It's like, I kind of need more just to really understand. I felt like, because you're right, we didn't meet her until a little bit later. We didn't get to see her doing her thing. We got her um, in the first episode yeah. where she added No, she was there, but it, we didn't... Right? Really, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They just and, introduced her to introduce her. I honestly her, so. don't know why we the series spent so much time with the whole like the syndicate vicious side. I was I so unnecessary. It. Like I'm the sorry, thing about, vicious was my the least thing favorite. about noir as a genre is like there are certain tropes you can lean on that you don't need to explain things, right? Like we mm-hmm. don't need the backstory. We just have to know like they were in love with the same woman. One stayed in, one tried to get out, and they got fucked over. Like yeah, like. I mean, you know, even what they did with Julia's character was different because in the live action, in, in the original anime, she also escaped, right? And basically, no, she run, yeah, but you don't know anything about her. She yeah. like appears, but which is again, again, it's fine because it's a noir film and the like mysterious woman from your past is a trope. And I would honestly rather have no woman than like, mm-hmm. a poorly <laughs> written or portrayed yeah. woman. Like, honestly, and, again, and, and a all dead this woman. Per- and this gratuitous like violence against women that's like I already know he's bad like I don't need to see him like fucking choking her like what's the point what's and even the point? like vicious as a character right in the original series he was you know cold cruel ambitious like a guy who would just like screw over his friends if it got him something and he's more like a representation of Spike's regrets right the violent past that he's trying to get away from but can't seem to leave behind and then in the series in the live action they turn him into like a sniveling fail son oh. like i hated him sorry <laughs> i think they tried to go camp for vicious and that just i don't yeah, think it, it didn't work you know who i did like and as an update was um anna uh because here she's a a jazz club provider and i kind of liked that setting that one kind of made sense to me and i liked um her second in command gren um played by mason alexander park so and yeah. I think that's the thing. Like, as an adaptation, they take a lot of liberties with the characters. Like, all the characters in the show are completely different characters than they, what they are in the original, right? Jet is now, like, an absentee dad in addition to being, like, the teen mom. Um, he went from being a noir cop to more of a buddy cop in his, in his storylines. That's because um, John Cho is four years older <laughs> than Mustafa Shakir, okay? And that is, I think... Because I actually, I think dynamically that actually makes a lot of sense storytelling. Like he is the parent for one crew, one family, but can't be for his own. That has some interesting potential. Uh, but yeah, like they, it's, it's, it is just very weird what they decided to change and what they try to recreate. And it seems very like we're going to throw things at a wall and that's how we're going to pick. <laughs> Yeah, and you know they changed up the stories of a lot of the the bounties too, like the the bounty of the week, and a lot of them are just bumbling idiots now. Yeah. So what I thought was in particular was interesting was the mama character, right? Which um, this is not really spoiling anything because I think it's kind of known the original series, which I understand why they couldn't do that in the live action, which was like eco terrorists who had this like bio weapon that would change humans into monkeys or chimps Mm -hmm. um so clearly they couldn't do that here uh but she was kind of like cool and mysterious and sort of like uh foreboding in her manner in the in the anime she was a zealot yeah she was like a radical zealot here i was just like oh my god 
she was just like an annoying mom. And then the kids were like the kids. They were literally her kids. Uh, so I was just like, this is a weird dynamic. Um, so, yeah, they made it everything bumbling and sort of like wah, wah, versus like actually, <laughs> you know, maybe saying something. Um, I felt like it. they undermined themselves a few times, like where they could have like maybe done something with yeah. it. I mean, OK, like let's pretend that we have never heard of Cowboy Bebop mm-hmm. and we turn on Netflix. Oh, there's this new show. Let's check it out. How does Cowboy Bebop? And I, I know this is impossible for us because we all have experience with mm-hmm. the original series. But how does it work as its own thing? So here's the thing. What I think might happen is I think it might actually become a favorite among some people because visually, as we know, it definitely has a point of view and it has uh, it feels different. So whether or not this is a different that we want is like just maybe based on you know who we are. But I think because it's different enough from what people have seen, it's also an easily consumable 10 episodes. I think it's a lot of people are going to embrace it not having known it. They will find it cool. I think the whole Old West in the in the sci-fi universe, which has been done before. Um, well, I mean, it's been done before because Cowboy Bebop, the original, was probably one of the first to do it. Right? Yeah, so it's like. Those elements are still there, present from the original anime, which is the world building. And the world building is still fun. Even if it's kind of inconsistent, I think there's still enough there people would be, like, intrigued by. Like, the idea of, like, this intergalactic, whatever, bounty hunting and this funky TV show. Um, I have a feeling if you've never seen the original anime and if you've seen the original anime, you'll probably hate uh, a character that shows up later. (laughs) Um, so yeah, but I wonder, like, I get the feeling that people who have never heard of Cowboy Bebop and love the live action, I wonder how they'll take to the original series, right? Uh, they might, uh, that's that's harder to say, but, like, I know some, because I rarely go the opposite way around, right? <laughs> um, I, I feel like I would think of it as maybe expanded universe, because there's more story there. <laughs> um, I guess. Here's um, the thing, this show kind of a little bit reminds me of the uh, Dirk gently's holistic detective agency um which is an adaptation of douglas adams books and it also had a very stylized you know point of view and comedy i thought that was also a very imperfect show um but it did have its followers who thought it was kind of funky and cool and different so that's the only thing i can say is like i'm guessing some people are gonna like actually appreciate it yeah, I mean, people definitely are appreciating the series. And I mean, to those people, I would say check out the original series because like it's <laughs> interesting because after every episode, and this is like when I was watching it, when it was like recommending what to watch next, it would always also recommend the original series. And I was oh. like, oh, I should just click over, right? <laughs> I just don't think there's a reason to watch the live, this live action when number one the original is on netflix as well and probably takes around the same amount of time to watch and honestly the dub is pretty good the (laughs) english dub is pretty good like you don't even have to read fam like i watched the american english dub and it slaps so i I mean maybe (laughs) people i don't know it's like it's very hard to like like it's, I think it'd be different if it was like inaccessible or like it was so different. Like 
that that the, the time of adaptation was like a different era, which I mean, I guess it's been 20 something years, but like when the original holds up today, I don't really know what the point of a reboot is. And there is there is the whole question we always ask, like, why are you rebooting it? Right. Like, what yeah. are you adding if you're going to reboot it, especially when you're translating from one medium uh, animation to a live yeah. action? And I've been thinking a lot about that. Like, why? Like, why do you adapt something? Like, what makes a good adaptation? And it has to be something like, obviously, it's to reach new audiences who wouldn't watch anime normally. But also, I feel like for the people who are existing fans, it needs to like, it needs to be additive, right? It needs to add something to the original storyline um, as opposed to just rehashing points and totally remixing it or like totally changing the core of the series. And I feel like the live action series has a different core, right? It's a different type of show than the, the anime. And I don't know if it's better for that. You know, it, it reminds me of when I was watching Star Wars Visions last week and the weakest parts of those shorts were always when they would slip in like, I have a bad feeling about this or some callback to Star Wars to try to remind you that Star Wars, which only kind of, I think, weakens the whole thing in, in general. I feel like every time Cowboy Bebop, the live action series, slips in like a shot or a line to remind you of the original series, all I'm thinking of is, wow, that was done better in the original series. I mean, I can separate them, but it doesn't mean that I think this stands on its own two feet as well, you know, um, because I, I was I was just thinking about this. It's like it's it's hard when Cowboy Bebop is actually fairly mm-hmm. recent when you think about it. Um, so everyone, especially since you were saying like they watched it in their formative years, that this actually has a really deep relationship for a lot of people. This was actually not my first anime. <laughs> I watched at least 15 years of anime before it. So um, I, I it's not perhaps as you know, beloved for me, I liked it quite a bit. Um, but so maybe that might be part of it. But like, I agree, yeah, this I is mean, not as good as I've that. also watched a lot before this. I think this was the first show. And I think that's the reason why I, I might have bounced out of it in high school was because it is more of a the director himself is an auteur, right? He is. Yeah. He's trying to create. Yeah. Like, I remember reading a story about how this series was actually in development hell for a while because the original producer dropped it because. They looked at what the director was trying to do and saying, this is not going to sell us toys. So it wasn't until they got like a more art-focused um, publisher to invest in the show that this show is actually getting made. Like this is a, it's meant to be more, I guess, artsy-fartsy than like your typical like shonen anime, right? Yeah. And so so I was just thinking it's like because this is like hasn't been adapted like out the wazoo because it can't be, <laughs> um, that is why we have such a a close mm-hmm. reading of this, like let's say something like Pride and Prejudice has been <laughs> adapted out the wazoo. And we are very fine with us getting the dog show version of Pride and Prejudice or the Fire Island gay version or whatever version of Pride and Prejudice because the original sort of stands on its own, but it's also <laughs> over 100 years old. <laughs> um, and and so, uh, but it's also kind of a blank slate sort of story. Whereas like you're saying, original Cowboy Bebop is an auteur's you know, things. So if you don't have those flourishes, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. You and, know, and not even that. It. Like you can say that it hasn't been adapted, but its influences can be seen in like a lot of science fiction and genre work that's been done since. Like anything that mashes together science fiction and another genre, there's more than like a 50% chance that it has roots and inspirations from Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. And it's it's so 
it's so singular. I will say, like, Cowboy Bebop was one of my gateway animes. It was like Inuyasha first because that came on first at 11 and then Cowboy came mm. on like midnight. Um, and it, it, it did like it kind of showed you that animation, not even anime, but animation could be an adult storytelling art form and it could do really amazing things that, um, you know, live action as we've seen can't or you know is not it's not the best way to serve the story and i think that's that's how i feel about a lot of um <laughs> i'm a big animation fan like i think animation should be just allowed to exist on its own and we don't need to adapt everything to live action i have not seen one good like disney adaptation <laughs> right like this urge to adapt it to live action i was like but why like like could you imagine if someone tried to adapt a Hayao Miyazaki movie? <laughs> like the magic would be gone. And oh, that's someone I, is trying. At we this are moment. getting someone trying. We're getting a Broadway. I, Broadway's different. I, Broadway. I would be open to a Broadway adaptation yeah. with like music and like puppets. I think that can actually be something very beautiful. But like, yeah, like it's it's you know like li- live action is a different art form. Animation is a different art form. I I don't. I don't. I still don't understand why we put a value. I mean, it's money. People want to make money and uh, create, yeah. you know, re- reboot existing our IPs. But like, <laughs> there is, there is, like, I, I really am pro. Like, we should just let animation be. Yeah. And and let it exist and appreciate it for what it is. Yeah, and not to say it's not possible, <sighs> but I don't think this team pulled it off. Right. See, I think that's the other thing I have to say. It's like if they had somehow done something that was cohesive then I would be, I think, a little bit more okay with it. Um, I, I think when you talk about it standing on its own, it only does it intermittently. So that's where I'm like, nah, it's fine. Because um, what, when I was thinking about the other things that have been adapted and what's been super different and what have I, I've accepted, um, I would have to say that maybe my best example would be Anne with an E, which uh, is an adaptation of Anna Green Gables. And it really does take its own thing. Like it, it's a lot darker than the original book. It, um, it introduces a ton more characters. It's all this other stuff, but it actually sells it because it created its own universe. So it's kind of like an alternate version um, of Anna Green Gables. This doesn't quite feel like its own alternate version of Cowboy Bebop, you know? <laughs> like, I mean, it is because all the characters are different. No, what I'm saying is it doesn't <laughs> actually stand as an, a universe. You know, like, mm. I don't find every element believable. And that is what harms it. Um, so uh, just because you have it different doesn't mean it's only its own universe. I think, I don't know, universe means that you can actually build off of it. And this doesn't quite feel as solid. So, mm. um, yeah, I think it was, I mean, it was going to be a hard thing no matter what. So good for you to try. But oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Ooh, maybe not this yeah, one. Though. I, I maybe mean, not it was, this one. Maybe a little too hard. It was ambitious, but hey, it's number one right now. Um, we'll see how long it stays that way. But you know, it's been a week. Yeah. It's buzzy. Yeah, it's buzzy, <laughs> and I'm sure people are like, I watched a uh, you know Red Notice. I watched you know Squid Game already too many times. What's next? And so this is different. That's all I you know. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, gotta ask: Is Netflix's Cowboy Bebop good pop? <laughs> 
no just watch the original sorry sorry john cho but just like again no shade to the actors i think they did what they could with what they got but like just watch the original fam yeah i gotta say no as well i i readily admit that a lot of this has to do with just how much i love the original series if i wasn't watching the live action for this show I would have bounced after like maybe episode three or four mm. because it was like I. It's very rare for a show just affect me viscerally, <laughs> but this show affected me viscerally. Like I was, I had like my face was all contorted during a lot of the banter scenes, a lot of like the that blackmail line. I was like, "What the?" Oh, that was F? so okay, and also like honestly, fam, if you're gonna do Cowboy Bebop in 2020, 2021, and um, color consciously cast, you know, racially consciously cast cast your main series, and you know, acknowledge the roots of like try to acknowledge the roots of I don't even know if they tried honestly but to acknowledge the roots of like jazz as a music and art form, and you know, the influence of black black exploitation in an American context in an American show an American production. You need to have more black creators in your room. Yeah, you need more. More black people and more Asians too, because I was also very disappointed that the Red Dragon Syndicate, which was a Chinese-based triad in the original series, became some sort of Yakuza pan-Asian hybrid in this one that was led by a white dude. Yeah, I mean, it seemed to me that like, here's the thing where I, where the casting could have been more interesting is I noticed that a lot of people had Asian parts of their name, right? And so I was like, you could have gone with like some hoppas or mixed people and, you know, like Blade Runner, Firefly, you know, the future is Asian, right? But it's no, (laughs) this one actually came from an Asian source. And so I liked certain things like everyone's using chopsticks and that one wasn't like played up in any weird way. No one's just speak randomly speaking Chinese, which I'm fine with, you know, or there's this great quote from Watanabe saying that he specifically made the country's that like survived into the space age, not America, because mm-hmm. he was tired of having America centered right. future. So definitely the casting could have reflected because like let's say we meet a character whose like middle name is I think Watanabe. Or or I I could be misremembering, um, but it's definitely Japanese. And so I was just like, this person looks white. So I was like, they could have just gone with some a lot of mixed people. You know, it was Matsumoto. It's uh, Whitney Matsumoto. Oh, Matsumoto. Hikes, okay, which, so yes. Yeah. So like, and the, and since it's the middle name, I was like, that doesn't sound like a married name, or maybe it is. I don't know. But yeah, so there's just like a lot of people had all these other different names, and I was just like expecting more Asians. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that could be your tagline: expecting more Asians. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well. You've heard our thoughts about Cowboy Bebop. I think the general consensus is watch the original. It's still good and you won't be disappointed. Um, Yeah. If you watch the live action and love it, then watch the the anime. Yeah. And, you know, it's okay to watch live action and also love it as well. I mean, plenty of people do. It just wasn't my thing. And um, I think a lot of it has to do with just my history with the original series. And yeah. I think that's that's the general consensus I've seen online as well is, yeah. Yeah, I would like to hear from people who like love the live action because I've been talking to people <laughs> informally about that. Like, did you like it? What did you like? 
Did, has anyone said like I love the live action and more than the animated one? Yeah, like, I've seen both and I love it more. Yes, the live action more. Yes. I've seen that on Twitter. What's wrong? With I don't them? know how uh, serious they are, or if they are just trying to troll people. Because no, well, like I said uh, last week, there's someone who definitely told me that um, <laughs> that they started watching the anime to prepare to watch, and then they found it super, super, super boring. Um, you no. Know, yeah. So you know, whatever. Straight to jail. I get straight it. Not, to jail. Not no. Everyone, straight to jail. <laughs> not everyone likes a slow burn. Look. So. Right. This is also why I loved Eternals and why not a lot of other people did. So. Uh, okay. I hate a slow burn, but like the whole point of the slow burn in this show is thematically appropriate because it's all about sitting with your regret. <laughs> I like a slow burn as long as you actually feel it. Uh, like you know yes so this one i didn't what a shame <sighs> i've never it's been a while since i've been disappointed like i'm more <laughs> disappointed in this than i was in star wars episode nine. Ooh, i mean no no nothing can beat the <laughs> i mean i yelled what the fuck in the theater in episode nine so what do you mean episode nine marvin it never came out they never made it <laughs> of course <laughs> of course uh, well Support John Chill, support Mustafa Shakir, support Daniela. Yeah, Pineda. you can put it on and like in the background and it's totally enjoyable if you're not like paying attention to it that much. So Yeah. Just uh, skip all the vicious scenes and you'll be fine. Just <laughs> give right. me my Ein supercut. <laughs> Corgi butts only. Corgi butts only. And with that, that'll do it for this episode of the Good Pop Culture Club. Um, Jess Han, happy Thanksgiving. If people want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go? I am on Twitter at Just you Tweets. And I am at Anonymous. You can find me at Marvin Yue. You can find the show at Good Pop Club. And we are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Check out our fellow Asian American hosted podcast by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. Uh, and yeah, happy Turkey Day. Hope you all have a great holiday weekend. And we'll see you next time for our November edition of Do We Want This? Uh, but until then... See you later. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. We're the host of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Every month we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a wide variety of genres from contemporary to historical fiction, fantasy to memoirs, and crime thrillers to romance. Some of our past book club picks are Pachinko by Min Jin Lee, Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Cho, and Devotion of Suspect X by Keigo Higashino. We also go over what's new in the Asian American literary world and chat with some talented Asian authors about their work. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.